in episode two of Artists of Change, I had the fortune of sitting in conversation with Alex Tawney, an audiovisual engineer who is something of a DIY master. Our conversation circled around the ideas behind a recent work of his that I had had the fortune to participate in, titled Disconnect. However, after we stopped recording the interview, it seemed that an even deeper conversation opened up, and we took a dive into some of the lingering, juicy questions that had arisen for us. What is real and what is authentic in terms of how we choose to reveal and conceal the self, both online and in our day-to-day, dare I say it, analogue world? And how is it that some of us can forge very real, deeply felt interactions online, whilst offline we can sometimes feel quite fake? Then there were more practical questions of artistic process and how one takes something that is abstract and reveals or manifests that, like the ideas behind Disconnect, to give them form for others to immerse themselves in. Given that Alex and I were clearly not done, we decided to have another chat, and I'll let the depth of this conversation speak for itself. I will put a disclaimer on it, though. It's not a polished interview. With the exception of a few audio glitches, I've left the edit essentially as the raw original conversation, because it truly was just that. A gloriously faltering, sometimes awkward reckoning with our own ideas and those we were offered each other. A genuine exploration of insights and delighted enamorment with the new ideas and new questions that we both discovered along the way. I really hope you enjoy being a part of what unfolded as much as I did. Alex, welcome. Hi. Hi. So utterly delighted that you have agreed to continue this conversation with me, really, because, you know, there were so many jewels and I think it speaks so deeply to the richness of what you're of what you're exploring, you know, in your heart and mind that you're then manifesting and giving form to in your performances and artistic creations. But to really dive straight back in or really maybe pick up exactly where we left off. Um, in our last conversation, you introduced this notion um, and I guess the, the idea of this group in society, particularly, I think you said in Japan, of the, the hikikomori or shut-ins. Yes. So people who are, you know, perhaps so overwhelmed by society, I mean, who's to say, that they lock themselves away and literally shut themselves in and engage, you know, quote-unquote socially only online. Yes, that's a huge phenomenon. Um, there well, how, how big is it? Thousands of, uh, there, yeah, there are thousands of these people. Um, in Japan, it's sort of considered a bit of a, uh, like a, I wouldn't say like a national emergency, but it's something that they're very much aware of and uh, looking to find solutions for almost. explanations solutions uh, or just just trying to figure it out so that they can adapt their societal approaches to to this tendency of people to shut themselves away wow so they in japan they're actually wanting to uh, accommodate and allow for it essentially or is it still considered a bit I, i'm going to use the word abnormal um 
I think it definitely is still considered abnormal, but, um, and I'm not really sure if they're uh, trying to find ways to accommodate exactly, but it's something that they're investigating. Yeah, wow. And is there any information that's come out about what um, people's experiences are like? Are they, I guess I'm going to use the word like happy in themselves in their little kind of shut away spaces or is it uh, unknown? Uh, it's, it's hard to say because, well, because they are so closed off. It's hard to gather much information, I guess. Mm. Um, or at least I haven't been able to find a great deal of information. Because they literally do like shut, lock the door and do not talk, interact with anyone for like years sometimes. Yeah. Um, often it would be like in their family home or something. And ah, so okay. they, they will have cursory interactions with their parents or whatever who are, you know, are essentially feeding mm. them and keeping them alive. Mm. Well, uh, I mean, it's interesting. And I remember, um, referencing also that notion of the sannyasi although obviously a you know a sannyasi is someone who renounces society and you know quote-unquote worldly experiences with a deliberate intent of you know pursuing enlightenment and engaging with their inner self rather than yes. running away from so I, it's a different similar practice different intent <laughs> which is quite interesting yeah. think about it in terms of um, what we have inside us that we then manifest or how um, our internal drivers produce the form of what we do, even you know, like a different intent, sort of similar form. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, and t- to a certain extent, I think uh, part of the, that tendency to withdraw, even in regards to the hikikomori and other similar experiences i think there is a a similar desire to engage with that inner self whether they are consciously looking at exploring that or otherwise Uh, i think there is still an element of that Um, what makes you say that where does that perception that you have come from i'm I'm not questioning it as um, accurate or inaccurate i'm just curious what makes you say that yeah, well, I mean, I think this is in, entirely my my opinion on it. Ah, okay. I think, uh, like, you can't you can't make that choice to shut yourself off without having some introspective sort of uh, tendencies. Yeah, right. Because yeah, you're left with or only left yourself, with yourself. You know. Yeah, totally. Um, there was a, an email that I received recently about, um, obviously I didn't know this would come up in conversation. <laughs> <laughs> prepared interviewer is there for all things. Um, um, with a quote from the French philosopher Pascal, who said back in the 1600s, that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe the hikikomori are the solution. But yeah, I think, I think there's definitely something to it then. And this was the 1600s, right? You know, mm. so yeah, validating your perception of 
this tendon of this tendency or need to be with oneself particularly when the world seems so confusing or overwhelming as it does for so many um yeah i i think that is probably the primary drive for this kind of retreat is is mm. a, a fear or um an anxiety regarding the outside world yeah it it would seem that way but again without asking (laughs) letting them speak for themselves it's hard to know for sure absolutely i think if we connect that to then what you also mentioned about social media and the online world as a curated space um there was this question that came up for me around do we have to withdraw or connect from like if the idea of a curation being something that is put together in a certain way to portray a certain aspect or face of ourselves there was this question i had around do we actually have to then withdraw or disconnect from the online space in order to express ourselves authentically and I wonder oh, what your thoughts. Yeah, I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. I think, well, yeah, I think to a to a certain extent, everything that we that we post in the social media space is curated, uh, whether that's consciously or subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, but then. Also, in real life, face-to-face interactions, we yeah. mod- we modify our behaviour depending on who we're talking to or, you know, social context. Yeah, like even the clothes we're wearing, right? The way we choose Absolutely. to dress or the, or the makeup we wear or don't wear, you know, if we choose to paint our face one day or not, <laughs> you know. Exactly, yeah. They all speak... Uh, to how we want to be viewed by the world. Interesting. So it's like what we want to kind of express or manifest of ourselves. So to that degree, you could say that the online space is no less authentic. But what was interesting for me then is thinking about, you know, when we talk about what is um, real or sort of the idea of authentic is associated with something that's real and the idea of what's inauthentic is associated with something that's fake. They're synonyms, right? Yeah. If we take those ideas further, things that are fake, um, say like, oh, that's a fake, it's a copy, you know, they're, they're hidden or not disclosed. So it's the same also in like a person's character, you know, like we might choose to portray an aspect of ourselves. It doesn't mean the bits that we're not portraying on a particular day it doesn't make us fake if we're only showing part of ourselves, really. Uh, absolutely. All of ourselves. But what's even more interesting, I think, is that there's this element of trust that we invest in people and things that we perceive to be real or authentic or open and fully disclosed, right? Like we don't trust someone, oh, he's a fake, right? Maybe there's even a, a, a sense of wariness around, say, the, the hikikomori who choose to not be fully expressed i mean i'm I'm making fully conjecturing there i'm not saying i have that my that's my own stance i'm I'm just perhaps drawing a link yeah yeah um i mean could that be 
something that those people are retreating from the the perceived fakeness or inauthenticity or yeah um it's it's one of those almost unanswerable questions really uh but what it does do is it actually brings up this deeper question of what is authenticity like what does it mean in practice to be authentic because as you said you know we perform and you know arguably curate ourselves to some extent every single day in the clothes we wear in yeah. the language you choose and online as well in the language we choose and you know sociologically the, the notion of identity as a performance it's not anything new it's you know but if we bring that back to the arts um there's this there's definitely something that we've all experienced that's more palpably authentic in some performances. You know, there is something more real, something we might even use the words raw or stripped back. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm wondering for you then, what is it do you think that brings that feeling, that experience of authenticity? To, um, to live performance, to a, a particular live, exp live performance that we noticeably experience in that way? Something that, that you often hear about something that is, that is hailed as being really authentic or raw or something is, is people speak about the honesty of it. Um, which, you know, again, is, is, still a big question but I think it's the even just the intention to express yourself as honestly and authentically as you can like uh, whether or not you find because uh, I believe there is no objective uh, Lee authentic anything really um, yeah. it's so you in know, that moment of subjectivity if you're really striving to give everything that is you uh, but it's interesting I because guess. you know there's some um, when you talk about honesty and giving all of you two sort of ideas sort of stitch themselves together in my mind around that and one is that just because on one day I might feel or express or want to wear X, Y, Z, you know, like mm. my, my 1970s get up. Sorry, I keep coming back to clothing because I've got a very like eclectic <laughs> wardrobe. Really. Oh, and it's a very, it's a, a very, tangible example as well. Yeah, easily recognizable way that people express their identity. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, you know, in my mind, consciously go, ah, oh, today I'm being this person, but I am in terms of, I dress to how I feel, right? So some days it might be the, you know, the 1970s get up and other days it might be, you know, whatever my hippie go lucky, but <laughs> um, although there's definitely some crossover there, but I wonder if expressing part of us is not necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not expressing all of us, you know, that's, it's still yeah, part of the story of who true. we are. And I think in that sense, it is 
true. And you might go to a performance and, you know, they might be dealing with something that's really, really nitty and gritty and dark and heavy mm. or something that is really light and uplifting and inspiring, but ultimately both are heralded as beautiful or true. As you say, if there's this honesty. Yeah. They, yes. That like one is not any particularly more valid or, or, authentic than the other absolutely and uh, just what came to mind for me when you were talking about this was that as somebody who identifies as non-binary uh in my gender identity i i yeah constantly have this uh oh, many many sort of ways of presenting myself whether it's particularly effeminate in one moment or masculine in another or um and i definitely don't see any way of presenting as less authentic than any of the others mm. um so so it is an incredibly yeah. complicated um question of what it almost it, it seems to me that as an audience, as just a person reacting to other people, we seem to have more uh, we seem to have an easier time identifying what is inauthentic or dishonest. And so we have an easier time. Or I'm not sure if that's no, I was just, I was just, phrase, no, no, no but, I was just making sure that I heard um, you correctly. Yeah, well, I think, I don't know. As you're saying, you you get people all the time that they go, "Oh, that person's so fake," or "That's so," and we reject that. Mm, we do, we really do. But, but it's interesting, also. I think it's, you know, I was reminded of how much, as a performer, you know, when you're on stage, and I've often, if I was, you know coaching kids or something the thing that noticeably makes a difference between an authentic um or you know something that the audience fully pick up and go yes regardless of how silly or quality it you know whether it was like a quote-unquote good performance or not is the extent to which the performer holds back you know like i always use the example of um, like comedy on stage, like whatever you're going to do, this notion of committing to it, be fully in it, be fully present in your skin. Even if you're doing the most like ridiculous, silly thing, if someone gets up and tries to be, tries to be quote unquote funny, but does it half-heartedly, there's that cringe, you know, in watching. Yeah, it, it really tends just, to fall flat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if you get up and you just commit to being the most ridiculous thing and fully embody it, audience somehow go, they can laugh along with you on that. They can appreciate it. Well, perhaps and I that's, if, yeah. Go. Perhaps that really is uh, one of the core things is your commitment to whatever it be, a, a part of your identity. Uh, a costume, a, a, a way of presenting a performance. Uh, that's, that is where we find that the truly authentic is how much you are committed to it. And I, yeah, I mean, that's, 
that's a beautiful notion that's kind of sort of one of these ones that suspends itself in the air and is worth it's worth contemplating and giving some space you know around to what extent perhaps am I committed to myself you know am mm. I and and then all the extensions of that word itself as a metaphor commitment am I fully present invested engaged married to in love with you know or, do I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or, or if we go back to this thing of you know you know, concealing or revealing and hiding? Do I run away from myself? Do I run away from things? Do I withhold? Do I draw back? Or do I just go, do I say yes to myself, to my impulses as a performer? Do I trust them? Do I trust myself? Which again is, you know, connected to that idea of something that is um, real. You know, we trust things that we believe to be real. Mm, there's something interesting that you said in in there that uh, do I say yes to myself, which in a mm. performance context, especially when you're learning to be a performer and especially in improv, mm, mm. Uh, one of the cardinal rules is say yes. Yeah, say yes. Totally. Like totally. someone makes an offer to you on stage, you say yes to it and you <laughs> run with it. And um, So that's a, I don't know, that just stood out as interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that also, I guess, in our, um, just in life, you know, learning to be discerning around what we say yes to, but not holding back where there is that deep impulse to say yes, to not be hesitant, to commit fully to oneself in life, you know, and I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, even just thinking about Hikikomori, it's interesting how they become sort of like the, <laughs> the theme for us to expand on, you know, it's like, it's arguably fully authentic for them to shut themselves away. That is their full expression. <laughs> you know, um, the best expression of themselves, they're committed 100%, <laughs> you know, um, you know, to just saying yes to what they can, regardless of whether that is the, 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 the capacity that other people have or choose to live with in response mm. to life, which arguably many people find challenging to navigate and doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Um, Certainly. What I find interesting, though, is that, you know, at this time of COVID, which came up a lot in our first conversation, it seems to me that there is even greater opportunity for everyone to either express or to hide both online and in real life. Like there's this explosion of online creativity and people connecting with each other. And, you know, I'm inviting people to online gigs last night and half of them are overseas or out of the, not in the States or something. And previously I would have invited people to gigs, only those who I knew were local or, or who could come, you know, so there's this more greater connection. And yeah, yet people are also, you know, in physical quarantine and a lot of people are taking the opportunity for silence and to deliberately recede from life. So I'm, I'm wondering if we tie in this idea of online curation and this situation we're in, where like the metaphor of hiding versus, you know, being fully present and expressing, it seems to have, you know, expanded <laughs> Do you think yeah. then that social media, again, as a curated space, do you think at this time, do you think it's um, making us more authentic? <laughs> oh, God. <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
such a difficult question to answer. Um, well, take take a moment, but, and I, I would love your thoughts. So just take a moment if you need it. Um, well, yeah, that like there have been some really beautiful moments of authenticity, or what that have felt very authentic, um, and what really feels very authentic in this time to me is this palpable desire to to i don't know just to spread some joy or just to to connect um and you know uh even my housemates and i last sunday had just like a little house party just the five of us nice. um, my, my housemate was DJing and we live streamed the whole thing and, yes. um, and just just in a desire to I don't know just to connect to people to show them something fun in this time mm. um, my dear friend and my dear friend and really wonderful performer Betty Grumble uh has been every morning doing what she calls a grumble boogie, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a, a little dance. Uh, it's kind of like, an, like those old morning aerobics shows almost. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delightful. Um, How can we find that if we want it in our life? Uh, so you can find her on Facebook and Instagram. She's streaming. Um, as her performer name, Betty Grumble. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, for the time being, she's doing them every morning at 10 a.m. live streamed. Nice. Um, and it's just a, it's been a really wonderful way to get up in the morning, get motivated. Yeah, <laughs> start get, the day with some moving, happiness. Yeah. Get moving, yeah. And she's such a, a creature of, light and love and energy um, well so, i'm looking forward to that that'll yeah. be my 10 a.m tomorrow <laughs> so yeah it's super lovely look i it, it's interesting but, what you say sorry continue yes oh no i was just gonna sort of sum up and say the, the it's just that that same spirit of just trying to give some joy or something to to people who may be feeling a bit lost and mm and listless in this yeah. time you know earlier i said that there were two things in my mind that were stringing to, together in response and i only addressed one of them but you've actually preempted the other which is <laughs> there's a there's a notion within um within raj yoga meditation that to suppress one's happiness is What's, how do they phrase it? Um, basically, the idea is that to allow yourself to be happy and to express sort of the natural qualities of the human spirit, the natural soul qualities of happiness, of joy, of lightness, the perhaps I wouldn't say natural, but even more so the original qualities, the things that are unconditioned and unlearned 
we come into them with life and then it's, you know, our experiences that make us perhaps hesitant or anxious or wary or angry. We get conditioned sure. almost out of these natural qualities. And what I hear you saying is that at this time, what actually is becoming revealed and expressed and unhidden whether online or offline is like regardless of the form and way in which we're doing it it's this natural this natural soul quality this natural state of self um again i, I slip into the word natural i think that's just a habit of mine but this um the, the human spirit is coming out of hiding yep and yeah this inherent uh, drive toward joy and connection and community. Yeah. It's becoming fully manifest. I, I think that's a really lovely segue into actually one of the final aspects that I wanted to touch on with you, Alex, which is um, how we manifest things. How do we go about manifesting things? And I'm going to um, allow our conversation, I'm going to ground it and take it out of this very um, ideasy world, which you know, for those people listening, I, I, I have been critiqued at times for being very heady with my ideas and thinking. But I think, to be honest, this kind of conversation, although, you know, delectable and juicy in so many ways for those who have, a, you know, a penchant for it, um, I think it's also actually really, really valuable to consider because there are so many people who in the world really struggle to, quote unquote, feel like themselves or to they just, you know, they wondering who they are or how can they be more themselves or how can they just sit in their own skin? This is something that people, you know, tangibly, you know, practically grapple with. Uh, they feel mm. lost unto themselves. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so I, I think there really is value in diving into the headspace of, you know, in, you know, exploring and, and investigating aspects of it so that for each one, some jewel that leads them back to that, that peace within themselves, like the E-A-C-E, <laughs> um, where they can be at peace with the I-E-C-E's <laughs> of themselves as a whole, you know, and know that all the pieces are good. They're all just parts of the story that makes them who they are. And as long as perhaps, as you've suggested, they can fully commit to just owning and accepting those pieces, that self-acceptance, that love of what is there is something that can bring people more E-A-C-E. <laughs> um but yeah to 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 do what i'm also capable of doing which is grounding i see i have to accept the fact that i am very heady <laughs> and i don't need yeah. to prove it by being more grounded although i <laughs> uh, although i can and very often am and very practical and sensible in that sense um this idea of manifesting things how do we take these very heady abstract ideas that we have and work them into some tangible expression you know someone may like i described for example that i might see how i'm feeling and then i will notice what clothes match that feeling and that'll be what i wear for the day um, but I'm wondering what process you go through to give form to your creative ideas and the concepts that you want to explore in your work. And I was thinking perhaps you could um, ground it and use disconnect as an example. You said you were exploring ideas of what is um, valid or real sort of uh, connection within the online space. It's a very, mm. big, very, very big concept. And we've 
arguably only touched on some of the extensions of that so how did you then... well that's the thing it's so yeah. philosophical it it, is. it's rather it's um <laughs> nigh impossible to come to any sort of definitive answers there um yeah. which is why the uh the tangible exploration i think is important mm. yeah nice um, so you're saying that the the the, the process of physically manifesting and working through the ideas somehow brings clarity right yeah or it just creates space to to get into the headspace of thinking about those ideas or um so so what process do you go through to give some form to these creative and conceptual ideas that you want to explore um okay <laughs> that's a very good <laughs> yeah give us give us your even... uh, a 101 rundown one sentence on the the arts the artistic journal for <laughs> for disconnect how did you do um, it <laughs> we want to know so I, th I think the the first <laughs> uh the first genesis of it or uh, for a lot of my work i guess comes from thinking about the the skills and um mediums in which i already you know have some grounding some experience so being a, a very technical minded person uh brought all that the audio visual aspects together mm. um and i was I guess that was the link to the social media spaces. So in mm -hmm. thinking about the, what, what these social media worlds mean to us all, uh, the immediate connection was, okay, I have all this grounding in audiovisual work uh, mm. and the technology to, to display all these different platforms in a room. Mm. So, that was quite an easy link for me, I guess, um, mm. because yeah, we see we see these platforms, these social media platforms, on all of our various devices, which are quite easy to connect to projectors and mm. l larger screens and things to have them on display to to make them into gallery pieces almost. Mm, mm, um, mm. And then the question became, what is the audience experience? Um, I think is something you always need to consider is what are they going to, like, what are they actually going to be experiencing? Um, and, you know, that can be said as much for a, for a, experimental piece like this as it can for straight-laced naturalist theatre or mm -hmm. it's definitely something you still need to consider um and so then the experience for me it naturally had to be an interactive one because that's what social media is it's a platform mm -hmm. on which we interact with each other yeah um so 
Yeah, there was and some, it, there was some. So I know you're doing a great job. This is very interesting because uh, what I'm hearing then is the theme of um, really connecting. You know, kind of you know keeping it in line with our conversation. It's connecting, you know, what you already have, who you already are, um, you know, the, the pieces of yourself with the ideas, forming you know connections rather than keeping your ideas as something that's perhaps. Um, Perhaps, rather than perhaps even seeing them as something that are somehow abstract from you and disconnected from you. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I guess, I guess that's, yeah, that's definitely part of it. Like, because it, it is, it was all ver a very abstract philosophical yeah. concept to play with. And then to bring that into the real world to be able to play with and everything. Yeah, I, and then, I guess the initial connection was to myself and it's like how can I myself connect these two dots mm. via the skills that I already possess and the <laughs> I, I go back to the question I had in the previous conversation like why was it called disconnect and not reconnect if you're making all these connections <laughs> <laughs> even as part of yeah. the process no I'm look disconnect was the perfect title for it but <laughs> I'm just seeing so much of the um I mean, what's beautiful about these conversations is you reveal what is truly hidden within the world of the artist, you know, the jewels that are um, brought into the very fabric of what they manifest in their art. And yet somehow in the performing arts and in visual arts and not to draw, you know, like I know there are some blurred lines there as well. Um, we somehow disconnect the artist from their art and we value the artwork and forget that it is a manifestation of their, of, of their inner world, of their jewels, of the connections that they see, of their skills, talents, time, time, always time, my gosh, you know, the time and financial investment of art to create what they create um yeah. yeah i think there's serious risk of uh, uh especially i think in the 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 visual arts world like in a in a gallery sense like mm -hmm. you, you'll you'll often all you'll get is like a, a a paragraph or two about who that artist is and then mm. you're surrounded by their work mm. but is that really enough to to value the artist. About, yeah. to, be, to tell you about who they are and what and that work really means to them. But, mm. you know, at present, it's that's sort of the best um, model we have. Or Yeah. Well, that leaves us then maybe there's... Yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, perhaps there's something in the, um, in the social media space that can, can bridge that gap because everything we do is so on display will that help to yeah bridge that gap between the artist and the work yeah I mean it's that's <laughs> yeah it's it's a really lovely question you know um to what extent can being online ground us <laughs> 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 Look, Alex, there's so much more we could go through. Uh, we really could expand on this for hours. 
my my deepest heart's gratitude to you, um, to the delight of your company, to the depth of your thinking, and to the jewels that you bring. You know, particularly as someone who invests their thinking in ideas of how we might do things better. You know, for ourselves as people, for the world around us, and how we can really bring that. You know, that sense of love and greatness within ourselves how we can manifest that <laughs> as a foundation and starting point also and, and enable others to come on that journey from within themselves along the way through our art. Thank you so, so much for your time, really. Oh, thank you for inviting me to chat. It's <laughs> equally valuable to me to, to, to go back and rethink about these things. And yeah. I'm I'm going to charge you with the task of making this. You, I know you want a new iteration of it, like a <laughs> to not be cliched, but a 2.0. I definitely want to disconnect 2.0 because whether it is online, oh my God, there's your challenge. The COVID completely online version. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Next level. How do you curate? Um, I don't know. I'm going to leave it with you. It's your bag. <laughs> I'm going to stick to the conversations. Um, Alex, love you immensely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. <laughs> there were so many jewels that came out of this unfolding conversation and the metaphoric layering of ideas within it. But what stood out for me, surprise, surprise, was a question of what comes out when we go in during this time of COVID, ISO, we seem to be revealing so much more of the original qualities of the human spirit, those unconditioned by society or experience or time. The inherent drive towards joy and connection and community, as Alex so beautifully put it. And a thought that I had had immediately after participating in Disconnect back in 2019 came back to my mind. How might we consciously take the learnings and experiences that we've had during this time and manifest or give them form more consistently within our lives. When you shut yourself away, all you're left with is yourself. From my conversation with Alex, it seems to be that to be authentically ourselves actually means to simply trust and commit to ourselves and the ways in which we choose to manifest or express ourselves in the performance of our lives. What if, what if ISO is actually just a time to go in so we can get real with ourselves and bring the authentic self, meaning this deeper trust in ourselves and ability to say yes to ourselves out of ISO. What a profound and positive contribution that would be to manifesting our collective dreams and visions for social change. And there's something to be said of grounding this idea, getting practical with it. So we might take a page out of Alex's process diary and consider the simple questions of what is currently already revealed of who I am. That is, what inequalities are most present in my character? What do others as an audience experience of me? And am I offering them an experience of the inner world that I wish to highlight or reveal of myself? And then trusting yourself as you step out into the world. I'm Hannah Weiner. 
and you've been listening to Artists of Change, supported by Yoke magazine.